the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program, weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. So people ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. All right, we are on the air. Thank you for joining us tonight for the Bible Live, the quiz show. Your chance to answer some questions from the scriptures and then uh, call us, give us uh, some answers. 
Uh, and we will also take your questions about the Bible, any aspect of the Bible you'd like. Jacob is here with me, and we're ready to you're ready to give us that that Hebrew, that Jewish perspective of the different passages. Uh, let me see, Jacob. Tonight we are into um, the are we into the Book of Esther already tonight? We're doing Esther, and uh, you said. Uh, oh man, the last, the the last of Nehemiah, the Book of Esther, and the. Um, in the book of Corinthians. Oh, that's exactly right. Wow, we are moving along in the scriptures through the... Uh, it always amazes me as we go through the Bible every year. Uh, it does amaze me. We move quickly. And I guess sometimes I regret it because some of these books you'd like to spend maybe three or four programs on any... like the book of Esther or... Uh, Romans or even Corinthians, almost all of these books, you'd like to spend far more time talking about them and and, uh, kind of explaining them and and looking into more detail. But we move through the entire Bible uh, literally every year. So tonight, we uh, this past week, our reading schedule uh, had us reading the book of Nehemiah, the last, uh, let me see, the last chapter, actually, just the last section of the book of Nehemiah, the last chapter. And then we read the entire book of Esther, chapters 1 through 10. Is there anything on the Jewish calendar that coincides at all with Esther? or Not at this present time, but there is Purim. Or, or Purim. Yeah, I knew that. But we're not, we're not near anywhere near the uh, holiday of Purim, right? Not right now, no. When does that come every year? April? Uh, roughly, uh, well... It would come generally in the fall. Right? Oh, oh, later on in the fall, later on in the year. All right, well, we'll point it. I'm sure you'll point it out to us, right? I'm sure I will. <laughs> all and things. All it, all it, you can think of it as a Jewish Halloween. Jewish Halloween, yeah, man. They all dressed up in costumes and they have a festival thing. And, and it's, it's actually just, just kind of like Halloween. Of course, everybody dresses up as bad characters, you know. Uh huh. Because it was, uh, is it considered maybe an ugly time, or do you consider it in a way? Uh, I mean, it's ugly and difficult. There was scandal attached to it, uh, but at the same time, in the end, I guess all's well that ends well. Uh, do, do you consider it a, in a positive way? Or they have a game that the children play that's actually a lot of fun. Every time you say the name Haman, uh-huh. everybody bangs the table with their hands, stomps their feet. <laughs> So his name can't be heard. Bangs the table with her hand and stomps her feet. So they can't hear the name. It's just a game. Probably has some kind of an application for the Halloween. Some some believers, I think, probably have that same kind of approach to Halloween. Well, there you go. We read uh, the book of Nehemiah. The very last, uh, we'll ask one question maybe from Nehemiah as it ended up. Uh, We read Ezra and Nehemiah together, these two men who... Uh, figured prominently in the return of the exiles, the uh, Jewish exiles, as they, uh, the people of Israel, as they returned to the uh, land of Israel after the 70 years of exile in Babylon. So now we are into the, um, de- definitely going to be, at least when we're talking about prophets, we're going to be into the post. Was Never, was that on... Uh, I was not on the air. Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry about that, that, Jacob. All that uh, either brilliant or dumb stuff I said. That brilliant stuff you said was all (laughs) Or dumb, whatever. Well, we'll get back to it and have you repeat it. Anyway, folks, you can give us a call if you'd like any time during the next, uh, what, 80 minutes. Uh, 340-9585. 340-9585. 
888-528-9585. That's the Bible Live quiz show line. And we'd love for you to give us a call, ask any question you'd like about the Bible, about this book of books, um, any particular story, any particular message in it. Uh, or you can talk to us about uh, any, any question about the idea of of knowing God and walking with God and experiencing God in our lives. That's, of course, the primary objective of the Scriptures is not just so we have another book to read, but so we can get to know the author, uh, God himself. It, it's an astounding thought, the creator and sustainer of the universe. Do you always have to know himself. God's involved? Do we always have to what? Know that God's involved. For what? I know that you have uh, some years, you have uh, many years, I think, that you've dedicated. You've helped teach the Bible to people uh, as literature, which I've always found. Um, I, I think that's incredible it is a, an amazing piece of literature in every way uh but i can't ever i can never read it i can't ever get past the idea that it's it's not just another book or a fascinating well, piece of literature well the reason i ask is cuz you know we're doing esther mm-hmm. and just in a brief summation oh i see your point yeah i know you do cuz you're a brilliant guy <laughs> i anticipate your point that's great that's a good that's a good uh but so uh, esther there are two books of esther one is the Hebrew, the Jewish version. Then later came the Greek version. And I, I brought wasn't the Greek person version supposedly a translation to Greek of the Hebrew version? Loosely, they they made corrections, but that's what it claimed to be, right? Is well, a let me let me read one sentence from the introduction of the Greek version. Okay, go ahead. And by the way, this is used in all the Catholic churches. Okay, all right. And I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying that's there. Okay. Here's a line. It, it is systematically, the Hebrew version systematically omits reference to God and the providence over Israel. This is uh, perhaps due to the fear of the irreverent response of, the, uh, of the God towards the lacking of God's name in the book of Esther. So, uh, to summarize... When the Greeks did it, they helped out the Jews, realizing the Jews must have made an error, and they went back and put out through the entire Greek adaptation the word God everywhere it's supposed to be, they thought. Now, in the book of Esther, in the Jewish, the Hebrew version, God is not mentioned. Now, Esther, as we all know, Esther comes from Ishtar, you know. Question. Yes. When you say God is not mentioned, uh-huh. I'm all. I'm almost. Uh, I just kind of wonder here. Do the does the Hebrew language contain a word that we would translate God apart from the name uh, Yahweh or Jehovah? In other words, um, like we have the word God. It isn't a name, it, 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 is it? The, just the word God is not a name of God. Uh, is, am I right there? or Am I crazy to kind of look for no, an no, explanation uh, of that? The fact that you're looking for it or not does not prove if you're sane. <laughs> I, cannot, no, I do not recognize it as I a was, valid test. I was looking for some kind of evidence of my sanity. Uh, but, but no, okay. I, no. Uh, in do, you, sense, do you see what I'm saying? I do. Okay. Uh, however... The word Esther, as we know, it's a basically a, a Persian kind of word, that, and it comes from their, one of their ancient gods, Ishtar. We, Ishtar. All, we all know that. However, in the Hebrew, if you put what we call an H on the front of it, like Hester, okay, that word means hidden in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Ah, hidden. Now, 
In other words, it's uh, and it's uh, you, you're familiar with the word paniel, God's face, or paniem. Okay. Uh-huh. okay, so actually, it's hester paniem. The face of God is hidden, okay. but He's still active in the entire show. Okay. Okay. It- and it comes actually from a, somebody can look this up if they want to, but it actually comes. The Book of Esther is actually based on, as they understand it, Deuteronomy thirty-one eighteen, which talks about uh, at some point God will hide His face. That doesn't mean He's not there. And so the Book of Esther from the Hebrew edition simply talks about how all these events took place. In fact, one of the interesting things when you read the introduction to this, the second book of the Esther that I've got here. It says, it actually quotes a line that says, who knows, Mordecai says, maybe you were raised up just for a time like this. Well, why would they need that if it has God all over in it? Oh, exactly. Yeah, and I, and I get that. And plus the fact that when, when, Ez, when Esther does get this, understand that challenge or that idea, and she says, okay, I'm going to go do this, but tell the people to pray. Mm-hmm. Who are they supposed to pray to? That's right. So you've got all these. So it's not like well, God is really fa- absent. Well, it's fasting and praying, certainly. Uh huh. Um, and so it, the implication is certainly there. Nobody could dispute that. But it's it doesn't say God's name. It doesn't use the word God. That kind of thing. But in the updated Greek version, uh, the Technicolor version, I guess, that's actually include they have both versions included in most uh, Catholic Bibles. Uh huh. And um, you can. What's the difference in the versions? Well, the Greek has the word God all through it. Oh, I see. They actually, but it's not really there in the in the in the Hebrew language. Absolutely not, because it's supposed to be hidden, indicating and teaching that God is involved in all things, even if you don't see it or recognize it. <laughs> That's the idea. That's an important point. That really is a beautiful point to make. Let me ask you this, Jacob. We're going to be talking about the book of Esther tonight. We read um, the book in its entirety, and you're talking about what was going on in this background and this history, and and God is not mentioned and so on. Uh, why don't I get you, if you wouldn't mind, can you? How would you tell somebody quickly? Maybe your grandchild tavern, or or some other group, uh, uh, maybe some children. How would you tell them the story of this person, Esther? The story of her times, what happened, and why Esther is a book. You know why? What kind of threat there was to the people of Israel, and how it happened. Uh, can, could you do that? Uh, that's well, that's that's actually the purpose why it's been instituted in the Jewish world to always have the holiday of Purim, because every Jewish kid to likes, tell the story. Yeah, yeah, they tell the story, but they get a party with it. They understand it, and that, then they get the idea that well, you know, sometimes God's involved in this, and we just don't. Know we don't it. see him. Yeah. Now this actual event happened during the time, if I remember correctly, and I hope I get the characters right. During the time of Artaxerxes, I believe, wasn't uh, Esther kind of uh, by a beauty contest, as they say, brought in to replace Vashti, the queen uh, of the Persian Empire? Uh, uh, wasn't it Artaxerxes or was it Xerxes? Uh, you... uh, Xerxes or Ahasuerus, either one. Ahasuerus, yeah, the, the same guy. Name. Okay, so it's not Artaxerxes or. No, Xerxes, I believe. Okay, so, okay, so this this is not related and not uh, attached to the time of uh, 
the Babylon, the exile. Well, yes, it is. It is. Yes. Uh-huh. Okay, so this is during that the, during that time of exile, uh, but not during the time like of Darius or the, uh, there was a change of. Sure. I don't know how many emperors there were during the time of exile. It's a, it's a few hundred years. Yeah. Yeah. But the time of the exile was 70 years. It's a few hundred years from when the uh, initial corruption began. Might I put us a, a, in two sentences, put, give us a date so we got something to work on? Okay. Right. All right. First of all, remember Saul, King Saul, before yes. King David. Okay. He was instructed, a hard thing to understand, he was instructed to wipe out the Amalekites, yes. named after Amalek, right? Yes, because oh, they had uh, attacked the people of Israel, not giving them uh, safe passage through their yeah. land as they were trying uh-huh. to approach uh-huh. the, the promised land, right? Right. Okay. And indeed, uh, who is Amalek? First, that's an important thing to know. Do you know? Mm, tell me. Okay. He is the illegitimate grandson of Esau. Okay. So he, so we have this connection there. Now, Amalek, yeah. Uh-huh. So, and then uh, later on, and Saul did not kill him. And the king that he did not kill at that time was a guy named Agog. Agog. Exactly. Yes, uh-huh. So now, later on. And he was judged for that, harshly. Uh, yeah. But Samuel, and prophet of God, sure. you did not obey. You were told to to, yeah, right. to destroy him. And So then later on, in Babylon, when the story of Esther comes up, Haman is a descendant of the Amalekites, but not just the Amalekites, a descendant of the king Agog. All right. Ah, Mordecai, Esther are actually descendants of King Saul. So they have met again. Now it will be done what was supposed to have been done. <laughs> okay. So Mordecai, the uncle of uh, Esther, uh-huh. and Esther, of course, they are descendants in the lineage of uh, King Saul, the first king of Israel. And Haman, this person, is a now distant relative and descendant of of. Um, uh, 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 Saul or uh, uh, no 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 oh, Agog 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 uh-huh. now Agog was he also attached or the Amalekites that were they at all related to the Edomites that's Esau right well the Edomites would have been Esau yes uh, history records that uh, uh, Amalek who Amalekites are named after was actually the illegitimate grandson of Esau okay so there is a little bit of a connection there as well between this other ancient enemy of Israel sure. the uh, Edom the Edomites okay um, and, and through both of them of course through Esau so then they uh, this happened that's the background they if they had done what God wanted them to do back back then they would have avoided this problem how often do we see that in the bible if only people would have obeyed the first time and trusted god and obeyed him how many problems would they have avoided further down the line i mean that's a basic lesson of scripture even for us today uh once you start disobeying god and and down going down that road if you refuse to turn back and turn away you're just asking for more and more and more problems and judgment uh, on us. We could learn that today in our own society. Okay, now let's come to the time of Esther. Mm-hmm. Tell us uh, the story of kind of what Sure. Uh, some of our listeners may not sure. know the story of Esther. Well, sure. And, and in fact, uh, the guy that is the king at the time, he is actually a, uh, it's understood to be, uh, he was some type of a son that kind of grew up as a commoner, perhaps. But he was the son of Darius the Mede. Okay. So we got all these people who are descendants of other people. Indeed, you and I are descendants of Noah. Uh-huh. And even John is. Even John? Even John. Okay. So. 
That puts him within the human race. It does. It does indeed. But so what we got is uh, they ask Vashti. Now, Uh she was uh, of royal lineage. Uh So this new king had married her. And and uh, and he did that. The understanding is so to give him a certain amount of credibility among everybody because he's married to this royal person's daughter. Okay. He ordered her. He was drinking a lot. They had a big party. And, and the it, party was a battle preparation. They had these long parties, sometimes three to six months oh, or longer, time, yeah. where they would bring in the generals and his main, uh, and they would have three to six months of partying, lots of drinking. But there was also strategizing and make preparations right. for battle and war. And so that was connected with this, and he asked Vashti to come in and show off his pretty wife to well, all no, these people, Well, no, it wasn't just right? that. If you look closely, it she says... She was pregnant, right? No, no, no. No? No, okay. She was, when he says, come wearing your crown. Oh, yeah. What that means is... Only your crown. Only your crown. Come naked, but wearing your crown. So, obviously, she refused for that. Well, there is some thought that she might have actually been pregnant at the time, and another sensitivity. Okay. But she refused. I mean, I've, I've read that, at least. That, okay. That might have been a factor. But then she refused... But, Probably uh, rightly so. Uh, but And who inspired getting her killed was actually Haman. You're talking about Vashti? No, yes. Who got? Who told the king that he, she's rebelling and every woman in the country will hear she did this. They'll all rebel against their husbands. You need to take immediate action. But his idea wasn't to kill her, was it? Oh, yeah. Or just remove her. Oh, wow. So. so actually the emperor just decided to remove her. He didn't kill her. Well, Haman... The descendant her. of the Amalekites said, eliminate her. Off with her head. Yeah, okay. So, But they didn't do that. They did remove her, and then they had this beauty contest to find the most beautiful woman or something. And somehow this little Jewish girl named Hash, uh, Hadassah, Hadassah uh, she wins the contest. Which is the name of a flower, by the way. She wins the contest. She's the most beautiful of the land, evidently, or something Kind of like the, the uh, glass slipper, right? But anyway, she gets it, and she gets brought in as the queen. Uh, and all of this is trying to protect his manhood and his dignity, his pride as a, an arrogant male, that you know he's in charge. Okay, so this puts her in this position of authority and influence uh, during this specific period of time, all of that. And now, through another series of, of situations, uh, her uncle... Uh, what's his name? Uh, Mordecai. Mordecai gets honored by the emperor because he had a hand in uh, cutting off some kind of an assassination attempt. Right. He gets honored, and and uh, H- Haman, who hates the Jews, and you know because of his background and who he is, and is jealous of Mordecai, he tries then to uh, he gets forced to honor Mordecai, but he begins to manipulate and turn things so that he can somehow get the Jews killed in, in the empire. Mm-hmm. And so he, uh, I forgot how he gets that actually passed. Uh, on what basis is he? He tells get, them there's a people in your land that does not obey the law of Babylon. Okay. And the Jews did obey the law of Babylon. However, they also had their own, yeah. for, for religious purposes, their own re- re- uh, religious laws. Of course, we know about those, of Babylon. course. And, uh, so... Because of that, his manipulation and deceitfulness and political. All of this is political. This is politics, folks. We know about that, don't we? Go get them soapy. (laughs) Oh, I'm not going to chase that rabbit. But anyway, that's all of politics. And they try to get all the people of Israel killed. And that's when Esther 
in this moment, this amazing moment that she's living in this experience, Mordecai says, maybe it's just because of this time, this very moment, that without saying the name God, but maybe you've been put in this place by God just for this moment to save. And she does. She exercises her influence. And Mordecai is actually, he actually had a Hebrew name, but Mordecai also comes from the Babylonian god Marduk. All right. Now, I know that Larry is on the line, and I hope you'll be patient, Larry. I wanted to Larry, don't go away right the after foundation the break. Before we got further into the program, 340-9585. We'll be right back and talk with Larry. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me, plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning processes? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist, pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers, and whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Hello, this is David Jeremiah. Our mission at Turning Point is to deliver the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world. And I'm thrilled to be joining the broadcast team here on AM 630 KSLR, the Word in South Texas. So join me for Bible study. I'll be here every morning and evening, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. and 9 p.m. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Larry, oh, Lord, 
Soapy Dollar and Jacob is on the line. Both of us are here, actually. Uh, thank you for joining us. Let's go directly to our phone line and pick up. I hope Larry has been patient and is still with us. Larry, are you there? Yeah, buddy. You are a good man. I am so glad you let us lay that foundation. Uh, talking about Esther, sometimes you can talk about it with people don't know the whole story, the background. Then it kind of limits our conversation. But uh, do you want to talk a little bit about Esther or, that book, or maybe something else was on your mind? I would like to read Ephesians 6.12, which is just a good. very short verse. And then I ask a short question. Sure. Uh For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Mm. Did you notice... Powerful verse. Yeah. Now, I want to ask this question. Did you notice that all the worldwide corporations at the same time decided to promote LGBTQ? Yes, I did notice that, Larry. And uh, can't you see that this is uh, this is worldwide domination? It's coming directly from Satan. I see it with total clarity. I, I really do. I mean, this um, <clears throat> we we talk all the time. Uh, I teach out at Lackland the. Uh, for the basic trainees that are going through into the United States Air Force, we handle a lot of the uh, the Bible study for them, and we talk about this a lot when we're talking about the Bible, and, and we talk about. There's a class that we talk about spiritual warfare, and our enemies that we have, according to the scriptures, are Satan, this spiritual being uh, who is opposing God and God's people and God's plan, and then the flesh, our own selfish desires as human beings, as greed and, and pride and arrogance and uh, jealousies and so on, uh, and then the world, the world, this world, this godless world system. And that's all of these are involved. And in, I think what you're talking about here is that if we don't see that today, what's happening in our world, this, the idea that Satan, uh, the flesh and, and the wor- godless world system are all uniting about so many of these issues, Larry. I agree with you 100 percent that you, what I think a lot of believers don't understand is that we have a biblical or God-centered worldview. We explain our lives when we have children, when we lose a job, when we have a flat tire on the freeway, when the things that happen to us in life along the way, the people we meet, the things that happen, we explain them with reference to God because we have a God-centered worldview. But we only represent a very tiny minority, maybe 20 to 30 percent. And even among believers, even among those who are Christians, many of them are baby Christians. They're compromised Christians. They're they're not mature and, and solid and, and, and strong. And so you would say 70 to 80 percent of the United States population uh, of our 300 million are either not they don't belong to God. They, they have to explain life with a totally different perspective. They don't have a God centered worldview. They explain fashion and they explain music and art and and the things that happen to them every day in their lives. They don't. They explain them totally apart from any reference to the true and living God, uh, the God of the Scriptures. And so, therefore, they make up a worldview. They make up laws and principles and explanations for life that are totally contrary to ours. And I, I just want, and what I'm trying to do with this, Larry, is help people understand that. 
it's important. It's not just that we believe in God and we're going to heaven someday. It's we God is everything. He when we the God centered biblical worldview has him at the head and we explain life and we obey him and, and blessing comes when we obey him and problems and come when we disobey him. But the the point I guess, I guess I'm trying to get at is that that you're bringing up is the huge majority of people on planet Earth do not explain life or think of life in those terms. And when you get into these systems like economics and fashion and art and the media, what comes out of Hollywood and so on, this is not governed by a God-centered or God-sensitive worldview. It's governed by people who have a totally opposite. And what you're saying is true. We, we see evidence. There is this... Clearly, right now, there is a strong push around the world about homosexuality, uh, uh, all kinds of immorality and perversions, about economics. Uh, They're trying to break down the idea of nationhood and sovereignty of nations, bring about this one world, go back to pre-Noah times, uh, pre-early times when, when the when the world, when the population was not broken up into nations and people groups and language groups, break, break down those divisions so that the world again walks in lockstep uh, against God and against, and, and of course, bringing on judgment, bringing on the consequences. I, I see it very clearly. I really do, Larry, and I, I don't know how to tell people about it well, without sounding like an idiot. Larry, uh, Larry are Go you ahead, reading Jacob. from your Bible? Pardon me? Are you reading from your Bible? I, I, uh, what verse you read? Down. Did you read it to us, or did you quote it? No, I read it to you. It, okay. It's King James, exact, uh-huh. word for word. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. I was just going to ask you if you still have your Bible open to read the verse before that, verse 11. Yeah. I can do that, but it'll take me a couple minutes. Oh, I've got, well, it, I've got it right here. I, okay, go ahead, Sophie. Never okay, mind. a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Ah, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers, And as uh, Larry read to us. Well, here's the point. Uh, by the way, you just, uh, putting, uh, some versions use put on the helmet and the breastplate and all that business. Actually, you do know where that comes from? That comes from, and I can't, I don't recall right now, but it's either Jeremiah or Isaiah, and it explains what they are. So when people quote that from... Uh, Ephesians, it's actually from Isaiah or Jeremiah. It goes on and moves into that description. Yeah. But what's interesting is uh, actually the higher, deeper level, whatever you want to call it, of Esther is really what Larry's referring to. Among the real religious yeah. people that have that view among the Jews, when they read this, they say this is really something else that's very spiritual. Because the spiritual of the, the spirit, you might say, of the Amalekites still lives on. And so it is a struggle between good and bad, spiritual. So what he's quoting, what Larry's quoting, is actually pretty much on target. Yeah, Larry, I think it's very relevant even to the book of Esther because if when we read the, the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, one of the things we see and one of the lessons we should learn as God's people today is that we see the people of Israel often... They they have the same. They compromise their values. They uh, they give in. They 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 give into immorality. They give into worshiping other gods and into falling down in their responsibility and their desire to, to worship the true and living God. And when they do that, the same thing happens to them. It always results in tremendous uh, judgment. It always results in tremendous suffering on their part. Uh, it, I don't know. We just 
human beings, I don't know, uh, we just don't seem to get it, that, that God wants our allegiance and our worship and our obedience, and he will bless us, and there's, there, all of his commandments and all of his laws are intended for our blessing and for our good, for our prosperity even, and, but we, we just don't want to bow the knee, I guess, in our pride and our arrogance and our rebellion, um, and we just insist. Actually, you bend the knee, you bow your head. Both, I guess that's what I was hitting. Yeah, yeah I know. I'm just, I'm just picking. But, <laughs> okay. uh, but um, hey, Larry, you there? Yeah, buddy. Okay, okay. Hey, buddy. Hey, pal. <laughs> uh, but listen, this is Texas. Yeah. Yeah. But I was going to tell you something interesting. I uh, this week, this last week, I got a set of books I had ordered in. I, I, I hadn't bought them for a long time, but I bought them and I've been sitting reading them. And it's they're written by. Actually, they're not really sure, but they were written in uh, 1300s, old Jewish literature by some real scholar. Are they in Hebrew or English? Uh, both. Okay. Anyway, so I was reading them, and this guy was pointing out something that has really struck me, talking about God's laws and different gods, because we were talking during the break, is Allah the same God as the Jewish Christian God or not? Uh, but it's not just the word. The word God exists in all languages, but is it the same theological God? But anyway, these books I was looking at, what's very interesting is he points out, and this is way back in the 12th, 13th century, that all idols and all other gods in, initiate with one particular starting point, in sexual immorality. And from that people develop a god that has laws that permit that desire, that animal desire, that sexual immorality, and he goes through this list and talks and about all these freedom things. is what the word they yes. often try to use. But, but, but what's fascinating to me is I had never had that thought I've been reading this, that immorality, especially sexual immorality, was the, if you'll pardon the pun, the genesis for creating other gods and immorality. And I thought, wow, what mm. an interesting thought. It's interesting, but for anybody who's kind of even thought about it, some I bet you've already come up. You would probably already on your own, Larry, without reference to uh, ancient texts and books, which I'm totally for. I just didn't even know you could read, actually, so I'm just happy to know that. Well, you Jacob don't even know read. if I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> yeah, I do. I know, know he's telling the truth. But uh, we probably knew that already just even from the times we're living in, we know that so many of the things that are happening, so many of the, the compromises and the moral depravity and so on in our land and moving away from faith in, in, in God and the foundation, the faith of our fathers and so on, a lot of that has its roots in people just wanting to do what they want to do when they want to do it and how they want to do it and uh, will do anything and believe anything. Like It's just the, the Supreme Court this week, we were just talking about before the show, it's like go get him, Sophie. It's like you can't kill enough babies. You just can't kill enough babies. You cannot abort enough babies and kill them. And uh, I want you all to know it. that Sophie and I were uh, fervently arguing this on the <laughs> elevator coming up. And I am a hundred percent on the same page with Sophie. I want everybody to understand that. But he does understand this. I agree. But the problem is, I actually read the opinion and I heard somebody uh, reading a couple of the Supreme Court justices, the reasoning. And I said, geez, the reasoning is is good, but the result is lousy. So back to the drawing board. We have to try to jump through all kinds of hoops to get 
a, a legal, moral, good limitation on this on this terrible, wicked uh, practice. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's, but we just let's, can't let's take do five it, seconds you know? until. Like, Give me uh, one of the quotes from Sonomaya. Larry, do you you want to take off and listen on the air now? No, I want to tell you something. Okay, go uh, ahead and talk. Yeah, you go ahead. Uh, my, my pastor and I went down to City Hall protesting uh, Planned Parenthood. He was the only minister in the city of San Antonio that was there protesting. Good uh, for him. It was, a, it was a new law being passed, and uh, my pastor uh, was the only one there. He and I were, went together. Uh, we were the only Christians there I, that I know of. Do you know? I know was he this, was the only pastor. Was this back, Larry, when, um, remember when the city council and under, uh, uh, what was it, Castro, uh, Julian Castro, whenever they tried, they passed that and they did it. They were successful in extending city uh, coverage to uh, homosexual relationships. Uh, it, it, was this, because I know there were a number of pastors that went down at that time and they did a, press conference on the steps of City Hall and so on. They took a very courageous stand. Uh, And don't get me wrong, I agree with you that sometimes I don't know why our pastors aren't more out leading and doing. And there have been times when I've been proud and hopeful for them, but somehow, I don't know, it's it's just... I I asked my pastor, where are the other pastors? And he said, they don't think they should get involved in politics. That's, yeah, it, this it, was a law that was being. When was oh, this? When did you do this? I can't tell you exactly, but it was about a year ago. A year ago. Well, this was uh, the thing. I, the incident I'm talking about was even uh, before that. Remember, Jacob? That's when I they took when the Express News I took remember. this picture of this uh, homosexual girl grabbing me, and uh, it, they. It was really kind of crazy, but there was a fairly good number. But there are some things going on that I could say give you should give you hope, Larry. There. There are pastors who gather regularly to pray, and they're, they're trying to pass legislation. They're trying to influence city council. They're working hard. And there are, there are a good number of pastors who are there involved with it. Since we're talking politics, do you know how many eligible voters, Larry, Soapy, and whoever else, voted in this last election that chose your mayor, that chose your city council? Do you know the number, the percentage? Uh- I know I was one of them. Okay, well, <laughs> and me. There was one, eight eight percent. What I'm told now, I'm I'm relying on other information. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But we know but it's I'm incredibly told 8% small. Eight percent of the eligible voters have picked the people that make the decisions for you. And I want to tell you, because I've been involved in a few things, and the people that donate money, the people that work, that's who the people get elected, and that's who the politicians listen to. So it's not just where are the pastors, it's where are the believers. Uh, are we really and truly that few, Larry, or, or are there a lot of believers out there who just not? No, the believers are, are at ball games. <laughs> and playing their their video games, They're busy. Whatever, I guess. All right. Well, Larry, anything else to add? You've added a great point to us tonight. And frankly, may I, ask, may I say one more? Sure. Yeah. We'd love to hear from you. Okay. Uh, the the most, most fantastic 10-minute video I ever watched was, was uh, if you would Google Shoebat, S-H-O-E-B-A-T. It's one word, Shoebat. Shoebat. How about that? And comma the mark of the beast. Uh-huh. Is that Wally Shubat? Yes. Yeah, I know him. 
Okay. Uh, now, I'm not going to stay uh, shoulder to shoulder with him all the way, but on that one 10 minute v video, uh, that's where he con he convinced me that the Antichrist and the uh, Mahdi are one and the same. Mm -hmm. Shubat, uh, what do you go on on iTunes or YouTube to find that? Or it's it's well, you just Google okay. Shubat, Shubat, comma okay. all right. Mark of the Beast, and you'll, and it'll be a a YouTube video, oh. and it's only ten minutes long, but it's dynamite. Larry, I read, uh, I went on um, uh, YouTube. My my wife told me about a pastor. I wish I could think of the name. Maybe I'll try to get it during the break. But my wife told the name of this pastor in California, who preached this incredibly beautiful, well thought out, reasoned, biblical message about this Supreme Court decision, about the whole idea of the abortions, and some of the things that you've mentioned, uh, very greatly reasoned, uh, and about these the uh, killings there in Orlando, in this uh, uh, homosexual bar uh, that took place, and so on. And this pastor had this very loving, sensitive, but clear presentation about uh, about that as it relates to biblical principles, and so on. And I mean, the media just murdered him. If you if you only believed what the media said, you've got this rabid, you know, just ultra conservative preacher out there just hating homosexuals and and everything. And, and it couldn't be the further from the truth if you listen to his actual sermon, because it has it right there on YouTube, and you can listen to him. It's well-reasoned, it's well-thought-out, it's filled with sympathy and with compassion, but clarity about God's laws and principles. And I tell you, it shows what you're talking about. The, uh, this, the world system, boy, they are right now so incredibly active. Uh, the media, and they have tremendous power in the media and spokespersons everywhere who want that power, who want more and more power over our culture and society and people. Um, so it's... We, it, it's an uphill battle, humanly speaking. But as Esther teaches us, if God be for us, who could be against us? I well, mean, if God and, is, uh, and I, well, I do want to mention one thing: Wallace Shubat is a Palestinian, and he's now a Christian, and so he knows of what he speaks. And I, I've been around; I, I've actually spoke to him once or twice, and I, and I've uh, bought a couple books from him. I've talked to him, but he actually is a Palestinian, and he uh, and he does know what he's talking about, and he was in the PLO at one time. Very interesting. Very interesting. Well, thank you, Larry. You've raised up some great points. And uh, got one more if you'll let me have it. I will surely do that. Okay, I'm going to read Corinthians fifteen fifty one and fifty two. Okay, First Corinthians. Yes. Okay. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. Oh, why won't the Christian? Why won't the Christian ministers finish that and say at the last trump, because it conflicts with their pre-tribulation rapture? I thought you were going to talk about Donald Trump. Yeah, we're going to get, we're going to sell some bracelets. You know, remember the WWJD? I was suggesting the soap. We should sell some uh, bracelets that goes WWTD. What, what would Trump, Trump do? do? Yeah, but you're not talking. You're talking about the last trumpet is blown. I'm, well, when the I'm trumpet sounds, yeah. 15, 51, 52. Exactly. It's, it gives the timing of it at the last trump. For but when you the don't trumpet hear that sounds, the ministers, they stop that short. 
For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever, and we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. The version he read about we may not all sleep, but we all may get changed. I always thought that's what Christians put in the nurseries. (laughs) <laughs> we do not all sleep, but they all get changed. All right. Well, that's a, that could that could fit. It may be in the oh, several That's a nurseries. joke. Nobody give but that I bet it. I bet it's there. Somebody must have thought of that before. Larry, hey. thank you again. Uh, any I'm final more, point, or do you want to? You've you've really added to our conversation tonight. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Thank you. Glad you're out there. All right. Um, let's. Talk a little, digest a little bit what Larry yeah. talked about. We'll go, uh, anything particular? I, I think his point is brilliant. It really is part of the well, lesson I wanna, from I es- say, Esther. The quote-unquote spiritual religious teaching among some uh, very orthodox rabbis is the greater the benefit, the greater the opposition. So, mm. and, and I want to plug it into what I was talking about, the idols and the spirituality, and it really is to protect and permit immorality, especially sexual immorality. Look at the laws that are being passed. That's becoming a god, if you will. And it's meant to protect, exactly what this guy from the 12th century was saying, it's meant to protect sexual immorality. Yeah. I I think anybody who has eyes to see would agree that this uh, the old sexual revolution of the 60s and and all of these all of these developments we saw that 50 years ago we saw it and we knew that when it grew up it was going to look something like this uh we 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 were we warned people about it we told people about it uh, and and though we couldn't see it exactly uh now we're seeing and it's even worse than what we thought it was can going I, to grow up I to be. Can I say one thing? Let me bring to... our next caller okay, on. And we sure, can sure. discuss so, that okay, as well. Larry, uh, Harold, are you with us? Yes, I am. Okay, okay, Harold. Go ahead, uh, for Harold, first. Are you still there? Yes. Good. Uh, Harold is with us. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know where to start. Why don't you, uh, we've got just, uh, what, just a few minutes before our break. Uh, tell us what's mm-hmm. on your mind tonight. Well, I was going to start out with uh, how Jacob had mentioned that God wasn't really in the book of Esther, and and sometimes I've been through some trials and things and not really even thought about God and wondered, I guess it kind of brought to light this evening with me, is God must have been there uh, because I kind of break even sometimes or I, um, I get through it, and I don't co-worker at work said, told me the other day, uh, a good friend of mine that said, you know, how do you go through so much stuff? You're a man of faith. And I said, I'm a man of what? <laughs> you know, I, said, I just feel sometimes things just don't work out. But, you know, it's when it's when you're not, sometimes when you're not in the Word or you're not, you're just going through things, you know, he carries you through it. Sure. And well, it sounds like he answered you know, his, his own question. How do you go through things like that? And your answer could have been, because oh, I'm a man of faith. <laughs> I trust him. Well, I, I just, you know, I don't really think of myself as that. Other people have told me that, and it means a little bit more to me. Yeah. And, you know, uh, I was having a discussion today. You said something about about politics and things, and and uh, we got we got started talking about um President Clinton or Hillary Clinton, uh, Clinton. Uh-huh. and um, every everybody I know wants uh, Hillary. My wife, my sisters, my mother, 
My mother, as you know, for president, my, my and I am not a politician. Believe me, I'm just telling you what what happened, you know, know, today. And she even said my grandmother, if she was alive, would vote for Clinton. And 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 I'm not saying, you know, I'm a Democrat. No. So if she's president, well, she's she's president, and uh, and that's just the way I feel about it. But I I didn't mean to even talk about that. But um. You know, you got all this gay issues and gay and lesbians and straights and all these laws. The, killings, the killing of but, millions of innocent babies and children, yeah. You know, yeah, it's, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is why preachers don't talk about it. I will tell you that uh, at the Antioch Baptist Church, Pastor Kent did have a sermon on it and a, uh, a real good sermon on it. So that's another pastor that did talk about it. And it wasn't one of these you know, hell-raising type of thing. Now, if you have someone in in your family that's, you know, that's gay, that's not, you know, that is not straight, well, I would say let's be concerned. Let's get interested. How can we heal our family? How can we learn to live together? But, you know, if everything's perfect in our lives, everybody's straight and we've never been divorced or anything, why are we so concerned about these other people that are have this particular lifestyle. I don't particularly like it. My sister's gay, but she says she won't go into a church because she knows it's not right. She just feels, you well, know, she's she going to do it anyway. She That's knows the whole it's not point. right. Yeah. 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 And so, and I don't mean to talk about my sister like that, but she won't mind. Uh, cause we've been through so much together. And, uh, she says people that are married have just as many problems as everybody else. So don't tell me that all. But anyway, um, that that I'm really is to... a that really is a, a terrible argument. Uh, we justified is, evil know. by saying, "Well, there are other people who have evil." Other, it doesn't mean that we that justifies every wickedness and every evil practice simply because oh somebody else does that. That it is such a yeah. terrible, terrible argument. There's our music. I'm so. Harold, you've really added an element to our discussion tonight. I appreciate it. And okay, I'll hang on, or I'll just uh, I'll call back late, uh, next week. Okay, we're going to get back into. Uh, I wanted to get into Esther because all of this, all of this is right there in the story of Esther. This this compromise okay, and all of this sort of thing. It's there for us to look at and consider. Thank you for calling in tonight. We appreciate it. We've got just a few seconds here before our top of the hour break, and we have another half hour of the Bible Live Quiz Show. Call in 340-9585. We look forward to hearing from you. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, there's got to be more. There's got to be more to life than just who gets the most, who has the most toys when they die, who gets to do. Uh, sleep with the most people who gets to have the most money who gets to eat the most who gets to live in the biggest house there's got to be more to life than these uh this these purely kind of um 
as Jacob would say, maybe animal level type considerations. The, 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 there's a spiritual dimension. There's a true and living God. He has commandments. He has revealed himself. He has instructions for us. And um, we're talking about what does that mean to us as citizens of this country, of this of this world, in fact, and as those who of us. Now, now, the Bible explains that we are not of this world. Our citizenship is not here. Our primary citizenship, loyalty and devotion is not to the Democratic Party or the Republican Party or even to America. Our primary devotion and obligation and commitment is to the true and living God. And in, in, he has revealed himself. We love him and we will obey him and follow him. Now, that doesn't mean that means, too, that. When we do that, we will be a blessing to our nation, to our community, to our family, to our relationships. If we would take that stand and follow and truly after God and obey him and let our voting fall in line with God's principles uh, as best we can. Now, obviously, uh, sometimes we have to choose in this world, and this is a biblical principle as well. We have to choose the lesser of uh, several evils. We rarely have the opportunity to vote against something that's totally and absolutely good and totally brilliant and right and something that is totally opposition, wicked and evil and wrong. That's usually not the choices we face in this sin-darkened world. Sin is a reality in this world. Good and evil coexist. Uh, There will be always uh, lots of explanations and complexities around any of these things. But there is a good and right thing uh, to do. We should never justify the killing of an innocent child in the womb, the most innocent human being that could possibly exist, is not an an adequate or appropriate solution to any problem. And how we see that as a solution to the problem uh, is just to any problem. That's not the right solution. It's clear. And we have a whole, uh, one of our uh, entire powerful political party of our nation, the political party probably most prominent and powerful right now, at least the Democratic Party, is in total absolute support of the killing of innocent children in the womb. You can't kill enough babies for the Democratic Party. Uh, you just can't do it. They're just, they've got to, it's the sacrament of the left, uh, of socialist, um, you know, Democratic left. That's where they become. Now, you some of you I know are Democrats, like Harold just called in, and you're you're getting upset with that, and that I'm saying it. I'm not saying the Republican Party is great, but on that particular issue, which is really important to God. Remember what caused Israel to get thrown out of Israel? It was whenever they burnt babies in the fire. They were offering baby sacrifice, human sacrifice. This is no no less deal. And we are calling down judgment, the the, the blood of the innocents crying out, it is just, and we can see it in our culture and our society, is falling to pieces. Whether it's in uh, family life and in, in, uh, sexuality, children, grandchildren, uh, in, in the economy, we are we're we're self-destructing. Um, I don't know if it's the judgment of God or just the consequences of our own sin and wickedness. Probably both things involved, but I I sense that we're beyond the point of uh, return right now. I don't think. I'm not sure there's in a way apart from some incredible intervention of God, uh, a spiritual repentance and turning back on the part of God's people. But the point is, is that we're 
We read it in the Bible. That's what we're reading about the book of Esther. It's it, the, the, Why are they over in Persia anyway? Because of their sin and their wickedness. And the, the God judged Israel and told them he was going to do it. And then he did it. And they're out. And, and now God is showing his grace and his mercy to return them. And the book of Esther is, uh, I think, important. As you brought up, even though this wickedness is so great in our times and a lot of people are wringing their hands and we're all wondering, what in the world is going on? How is this? Don't God is still there just in the time of Esther. It, it, God is not on vacation in Tahiti or somewhere. He is actively engaged and involved in uh, I suspect involved in the in judgment on this culture, on this society, uh, things will continue to happen and decline. It will see, maybe I won't. I'm a little older. Maybe I won't see it all the way to the finish, but it will. It will happen uh, unless I, somehow, maybe somehow we turn. Maybe God will raise up an Esther in our culture, in our society. Uh, and I'm telling you, that's not Hillary Clinton. I can tell you that for sure. The value she espouses, the the every policy that she suggests totally abhorrent and totally opposite of the biblical whether it's economy socialism is sin it's wickedness it's stealing from people um and, and you could go on to all the other policies and so on but uh i don't know i well you know one of the biggest things real. we have <clears throat> that we fight constantly is not only the abortion stuff which is horrible it's hard for me to conceptualize somebody killing a baby it's hard for me to get my mind around. I don't know why I'm sens- so sensitive to that, Jacob. Maybe because I'm a believer and so on. Uh-huh. Also, maybe before having been an illegitimate child myself and wondering, you know, uh-huh. I owe my life to the fact that this woman didn't go into some place or, and have me killed, you know. Yeah. Maybe that's part of it. Or I grew up with these homeless and delinquent boys that from all these terrible situations. Right. And I see that God can make a difference. He can yeah. make a difference and, in and through their and, lives. And thank God she didn't go in and abort you. Me too, thank you. Yeah, or I'd be doing this show by myself. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) At at any rate, but I did want to say, but you know, like one of the biggest things, one of the biggest money makers, we all know this, is pornography. And look, it's all about being permissible. And I keep going back to this, I keep thinking, you know, and I heard an Orthodox rabbi say this uh, about a month ago. He said, you know, the greater the spirituality test the greater the opposition will be to prohibit that. And he mentioned pornography, et cetera. And I thought, you know, and that really is a spiritual battle, you might say. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking about that. By the way, before he gets any further, I'd like to say one thing. John has something he wants to say, but I'd like to say this. I have a good friend. Uh, his name is uh, his name is Mark. Mark, okay. And, and But his son is named Matt, the wife. Uh, they have a baby, four years old. Scarlet, mm-hmm. she has in the hospital waiting for surgery Tuesday morning, mm. and she they just discovered she has a brain tumor. Mm. First child, four years old. Mm. So uh, God be with them, comfort them. I was going to yes. say mm-hmm. perhaps as people say their prayers, and I know you don't know those people, but she's a very sweet little girl. She's only four years old, and they don't know how bad the uh, the tumor is and mm. what the result's going to be. But they're bringing in specialists to operate on her. Uh, 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 on the 5th and early in the morning. Lord, hear our prayers for Scarlett and her family. Yeah. Yeah. Th- thank you. I just wanted to mention that. And, but, uh, you know, and you see these people that really, really love their children and want to do the right. And then you see other people that just don't seem to pay attention. Now, there is something I'm going to say right now that's going to shock everybody. Are you ready? I'm ready, always. All right. Well, 
I'm always when you begin to talk and share. I'm always kind of okay, okay. When's it coming? I know. I I know. I alarm you. All right. No. Uh, not but really. anyway, actually, in the Bible, the uh, the one of the egregious sins is what we would probably characterize as best I can a male abortion. Mm. Did you ever catch that? No. Yes, I know. So see, in the Bible, it was teaching. It's not the, just the aborting of a, a no, male child. No, I'm no. talking about this. In the book, uh, remember the uh, Judah and Tamar and, oh, yes. and Onan? Yes. And it keeps talking about the sin he did. So as it says in the Bible, spilling his seed on the mm-hmm, ground. Mm-hmm. So that, from a biblical perspective, is like a from a biblical perspective, is from like a woman having an abortion. Mm-hmm. Now, almost no man I know has ever thought of that or equated that. I've heard that at Campus Crusade training, our family life conference, when they talk, they take the men apart, uh-huh. separate yeah. for the talk, you know, to giving to men and to young men, particularly going into marriage. They do talk about that uh, in those very terms. Very interesting. That yeah. I, haven't, I haven't been to that conference in a long time, but that's the only other place I heard that perspective given. There'll be a lot of people signing up tomorrow for that class. <laughs> I'm sure. But uh, but the point is is that uh, is that it's actually there, and the onus, the burden, the the really the 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 criticism is upon the guy, and so and actually, you have of course you have the old temple process. Mention those people again, so that there are people out there wanting to read sure. their Bibles Judah, that story. Judah, Tamar, and and uh, his uh, Judah's oldest boy died. Onan. It says uh, he was supposed to marry Tamar. He didn't, and he was. Uh, he God. It says God did him in because yeah, he God judged him and took his life. So it was considered like a male abortion, and those are some thoughts mm-hmm. that people mm-hmm. never ever. He disobeyed about. the commands of God to how that Tamar and their family line was yeah. to be taken care of through the the yeah. uh, through yeah. this uh, Leverett marriage or the 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 nearest parent. And that's in the book of Genesis, and again the names of Judah, who is one of the. Uh, and Sons of Israel on the tribes. And uh, most most Bibles actually have it as an interruption of a story. It's a story of it's Joseph called, and his sexual purity. Yes. And, and right yeah. in the middle of the story, you come up with this t- this chapter about Judah and Tamar. Mm-hmm. If you read it, you can start thinking, wow, you, you mean it's like an abortion for a man to do that? And people think, wow, I never thought about that. And I, that's such an interesting thought when you stop and take it in. We'll pay a price for all, whether it's abortion, whether it's pornography, whether it's economic stealing and socialism and buying of votes by taking other people's money to do it. We are we are paying a price already in the culture and society, and it will. There is no doubt, absolute certainty, it will bring about destruction of a culture and society. I don't know what form that destruction will take in these United States of America in the 21st century. I don't know what form it will take. But it'll be destructive. It will be incredibly sad and tragic um, because we've turned our backs on the God who loved us and sustained us and gave us freedoms and a lifestyle that few people in all the history of the world well, have actually, experienced. Well, actually, there's a very interesting passage in, uh, I believe it's chapter 31, 32 of uh, Deuteronomy. And God says to the Jews, obviously, he says, you have provoked me with a non-god i will now provoke you with a (laughs) non-people 
I love the Hebrew. <laughs> when you go around, it's just sometimes it's so much more graphic and clear, yeah. So yeah. I mean, when you go down through that, yeah, and see one of the issues is a lot. Of, in fact, this came up with somebody I was talking to today. Uh, you see, yes, the Jews believe Israel is theirs. They believe God gave it to them. I read it that way too. However, what people don't discuss and don't catch is that starting at the Tower of Babel, you brought that up earlier in the show. Uh-huh. God gave everybody their boundaries of their nations. That's God-given boundaries. If we don't buy that, we don't buy that. That's why you have never seen a war of aggression by Israel. They never go into conquest of somebody else's land. They do to Israel, but that's God gave that to them. But it actually says, do not go into Edom. That's theirs. And he gave everybody their boundaries. You see, that'd be like stealing. So you, that's why the only land you ever see Israel involved in the, is in a war is in the land of Israel. You don't see them conquesting or trying to conquer other places. Like uh, other people conduct wars and take other people's lands. And war can be conducted several ways, whether it's uncontrolled. Listen, I'm just going to say something. I've been horsing around with this. The three major tenets on invading a country from Islam, it goes like this. Uncontrolled immigration. Two, feminization of the men. Three, create total chaos. And when everything is in total chaos and there's no morals, nothing left, then they can introduce Sharia law and start introducing the takeover. Now, that is one of the formulas. And if anybody wants to Google it, you can Google Wikipedia and some others. There's a, it's, I believe the word is, uh, the name is T-A-M-E-R-L-A-I-N, Tamerlane. He killed one-fifth of the world's population in his day to conquer countries and make it safe for Islam. That's what we're doing. That's what's happening. And I want to say something since you mentioned Orlando. I'm on a roll. No, you are. Go for I it. I want to tell you something. I've, had, I've, worked, I've been around a lot of Muslims, and I want to tell you, some of them are the kindest, sweetest people, and I really mean that. But the religion is nuts. And I don't know how you're going to separate some of the stuff in the religion because the people are okay, unless they're unless they're wacko. But here's what's going on: the homosexual acts that's going on, they don't consider. I've had it explained to me. Now, in my culture, you know, if you have homosexual acts, you're homosexual. But they actually had problems with uh, sexual stuff in little boys. It's a common problem, so they've kind of adapted. And they actually say, well, if they're, just because they do the act, that doesn't make them a homosexual. In my culture, in my mind, it does. But in their culture, they're just saying, oh, well, they're practicing for marriage. That's how they get away from the burden and the onus of declaring somebody homosexual. And it just baffles me. I can't get my mind around it, but it's a different cultural perspective. And I will tell you, if you this Tamerlane I was telling you about, he not only kept... Uh, harems of females they captured. They kept harems of little boys. In fact, the real story, I don't want to go into this too much, but the real story of Dracula is how he escaped with his brother and then became, knew how to fight the Muslims because he had been trained by him, And he was a captured people. And I'll tell you something else. Anybody else want to Google something else? Google. We, ever, we all know John Smith and Pocahontas. Go Google. Google this. John Smith's 
coat of arms. John Smith's coat of arms. Google it. You'll find out how and why he got to America. He fought the Muslims. He fought three of the top Muslims and cut their heads off. On his shield, his coat of arms, his three Muslim heads. They asked him, what would you like? He said, I'd like to go to the New World and explore. That's how he got here, and that's how the story of John Smith of Pocahontas goes. That's our history. All right. <laughs> we unleashed something there, and uh, important, important. Uh, listen, it's right here, folks. It it's it's in your Bible. What, here we are. You've got two individuals, one from a Native American Apache Indian background and heritage ethnically and a, a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ for a lifetime now and a, a lifetime on the mission field, 40-plus years, and a, a, a God-loving, God-seeking Jewish man who uh, loves the God one, of the Which scriptures. one am I? I, I'm not sure, Jacob. So don't ask. So it, it, anyway, we're we're looking at this book and we're saying that that God has revealed Himself clearly in the Scriptures, and history also shows us and demonstrates over and over again the truth of God's Word, how it applies, and we are just whether it's you look into Esther. I hadn't even thought about the fact that tonight we also read the first twelve chapters I know that. of First Corinthians. Asked, we haven't even talked about it. First Corinthians is just another incredible example of of uh, now Corinthians is a very great example of God at work within a within a wicked, godless culture and society. Oh, it was you know, a horrible culture. Jesus and Paul and the early believers, they did not live in this idealistic world of democracy and godly leadership. They lived under a tyranny of the Roman Empire and enforced uh, you know, suffering for following of the true and living God and uh, in- incredible immorality and wickedness and and you know, cruelty beyond words. And and they did not live in this ideal world, but here they are in the in the city of Corinth. Uh, the city, a great city of sin and wickedness and immorality. Uh, over a thousand brothels in the city that have been discovered through through archaeology and right. so on. And here we've got people trying to live for God. People who have come repent and turn away from their sin. Paul says, you know, he talks about immorality and and, and homosexuality and wickedness of all kinds. And and he said some of you were like that, but now you you've, your life has been changed through Christ. And so it's how to live in that kind of a world. And it's a lesson we could learn from that in our world today. And the key thing is understand faith, trust God. And remember that faith in the scriptures is always related to obedience. Faith isn't just some emotional little, oh, I love God and I've I got a, a cross around my neck and I'm, I'm carrying a Bible or whatever. Faith is related to the way we express faith, if we have genuine faith, is through obedience. And uh, so we've got a lot of believers in our country who think they're believers and they claim to be believers, and yet they don't make the connection between that and some of the decisions and some of the activities that they're involving themselves in in this world. They don't see uh, obedience uh, as an aspect, uh, and, and we really need to come back to that. I'm not telling you necessarily what, you know, although I have my opinions, as you've heard t- clearly tonight, but we've got to move back to the idea that uh, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, if we trust and uh, love God and obey his word, we need to obey his word. Uh, you know, poor, Soapy, poor John has been trying to ask a question all night. He's been so decent, so polite, and so patient. And just hand me the question I've handed to you. Read his question. Some believe that. that Jesus Christ and God are separate. Some believe that Jesus is God on earth. 
as opposed incarnate, as opposed to the idea of God, heavenly God, spiritual world. What's the consensus? Incarnate means in the meat. Oh, okay. I know. You are such a... You are such a literalist. We've only got a few minutes. Let me answer it, Sophie. Help them out. I'll give it a shot. Uh, Obviously, clearly, to me at least, I don't know what Jacob would say about this, but as uh, we look at the Bible, inhibited by anticipation of me, Old and New Testaments, the God that is presented to us in the Scriptures is a, a God presented. We are told it seems clearly and unavoidably three separate persons. They are spiritual beings. Uh, they are. They have all the attributes of personhood. They're not being. They're not a an impersonal force, or you know, the force be with you or something. There are three divine personages. They have all the characteristics of personhood: intellect, emotion, and will. And they have all the attributes of deity. All three of them. We've come to know them, uh, and made popular and, and brought to the fore by Messiah Himself. Uh, the the formula father son holy spirit i don't know why those names the titles are chosen there are many other names and titles given to god in the scriptures and they are usually there to clarify some aspect of god's temperament and the redemptive plan of god so human beings can understand it maybe that's where we get father son and spirit because we we relate to those terms we relate to them and they tell us something about god himself and about his redemptive plan but uh, we have these three persons. I'll, I'll use those names: Father, Son, and Spirit. But there are three divine, infinite personages. The amazing, marvelous, or astounding thing is that they they live in such a oneness and a harmony and a unity with each other, so perfect that we can rightly and correctly understand them to be one. Here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Uh, they 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 are one in their love for each other. They're one in their character, they're one in their intent and their plan and purpose, and they're one in their action. They function, they are totally, Jesus celebrates that oneness. And uh, Now, Jesus comes, the, the, the Messiah, the second person of the Godhead, he comes to earth, he lays aside voluntarily his godly, he doesn't cease being God, but he lays aside his godly prerogatives and initiatives and authority he does not act upon them at all as a human being. From the time he's a fertilized egg in the wall of Mary's womb to the time he dies on that Roman cross, he is totally and entirely, he has voluntarily limited himself to the understanding and the authority and, and, and the experience of a human being. He's a, hum, a male who learns that he is indeed that Redeemer, that Savior, that Messiah that has been promised for so many centuries in the Hebrew Scriptures and he walks that out by faith. He decides who he is. He, and by faith, he waits on God. And he still is God, no doubt about it. He never ceases being God. But his role as Messiah is to walk out the perfect life of a human being, which means he cannot act on his own initiative, prerogative, and power authority as God. He has to live and humble himself, as Paul says in Philippians chapter 2, humble himself and live a life of total dependence and trust and obedience on the Father. So Jesus is a he is both God and he took on flesh voluntarily and lived a life of a perfect life of a man of faith, of trust, obedience to the Father. That's what the Messiah did. And then he who knew no sin became sin for us. He 
the, the, the substitutionary atonement that we had seen and uh, kind of visualized through the sacrificial system and taught throughout the Hebrew Scriptures and all. The, the, that's why John the Baptist, this Levite, uh, his second cousin, calls it, Hey, look, behold the Lamb of God who will take away the sin of the world. He who knew no sin then became sin for us. So he had to be a man to be our representative, our mediator, and uh, but he was both God and man. And now I, he is. I hear the music. That's it. Now and he so is. So I would like ascended. to say, be you know everybody knows what they like for a parent. Be the kind of parent that you would like to have for a parent. Amen. See you next week, folks. We can talk more about these matters on the Bible Live Quiz Show. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on the Bible Live weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.